Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hello, it's Sarah Larby. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? And today's guest is Nancy Dalgard, who owns the Post and Beam. It is a really cute little boutique resorts and we talk all about it. She's a real estate investor. We have a great conversation. So stay tuned for that. But before we bring in Nancy, let's hear from Dahlia Barsoom at Streetwise Mortgages. Dahlia, over to you. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. Today, I'd like to share with you a financing strategy that will help you as a multifamily investor, or if you are looking to get into multifamily. It is a Great tool if you are going to renovate or you're going to build uh, a multifamily, or if you are looking to transition something from a residential into five or more units. Here is how it works. Essentially, you can obtain a bundle loan. A bundle loan is an interest-only loan currently priced at prime plus two or prime plus three. Prime is currently, as of the date of this recording, 7.2. And a bundle loan allows you to do two things. One, to acquire the asset or pay off an existing lien on the asset. And that can go anywhere from 75 to 80% loan to value. And it can go higher if there is a cross collateral. And then you get a second component parallel to that loan to renovate or to build. And that component can go up to 100% of the renovation or construction costs, including any soft cost and even the cash or keys that you may be using to reposition a building. So you get two loans, both at interest only, with the idea of eventually paying these loans off with CMHC. So what we want to do is we want to look at your plan. Are you planning on buying a building to reposition through cash for keys? Are you planning to build up a multi-unit that is five units or above or do you currently have a residential site or a commercial site that you are transforming? And then we want to look at how long is it going to take you? Is it going to take you six months, 12 months, 24 months, 36 months or more? And what is the end game? What is your after reno value or after construction value? And what is your as complete income and expense statement? And with these parameters, we can help you structure this bundle law. The beauty about this type of loan is that it allows you to exit with CMHC and pay the bundle off at low rates today at about 4.5%, which are much cheaper compared to residential financing. And also, you can qualify under the CMHC multifamily regular program, which can get you up to 85% of the value at a 40-year amortization or under the newly introduced MLI Select program, 
which can get you up to 95% of the value at a 50-year amortization. So if you uh, currently have a project that you're transforming from residential to commercial, or you're looking to uh, reposition an existing five units or more, or build a five units or more, this is a great financing option for you to keep more money in your pocket and also to help you exit with CMC. You can uh, reach out to us at info at streetwisemortgages.com and we're happy to show you how to use this type of money and how to structure your deal for success. Thanks, Dahlia. Some great insights and some great tips. And guys, Dahlia and I, by the time that you're hearing this, it might have passed, but I think we're going to offer the recording. We are doing an event this weekend, tomorrow, Saturday the 23rd and Sunday the 24th. It is going to be about cash flow and recharging your cash flow. It's called Cash Flow Recharge. It is going to be a very impactful day with lots of amazing speakers. And if you are struggling out there and want to find a way to regain control of your portfolio, keep scaling and mitigate the downtrends along the way, this is going to be the event for you. It is online. So wherever you're listening to that from, feel free to zoom in and you will have the recordings as well. You can use my coupon code. I can put that into the show notes, recharge01 for a discount. On that note, guys, enjoy the podcast. Nancy, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Good morning. I'm excellent. How are you? Good. So I'm excited to have you on and maybe just start by telling us a little bit about, about yourself and what you do with from a real estate standpoint. Sure. We are more buy and hold now than anything, but we started out like everybody else with flipping. We started in, actually, I've been flipping for probably 10 or 12 years. Actually, I would say probably 20 years now. Time flies and you're having fun, but we really got invested and started to become full-time about 2019. I sold a couple of businesses that I had and just started focusing on real estate investing. So again, we started with many flipped, like everybody else. We wanted to get some capital and just kind of have a nest egg to start doing buy and holds with. Yeah. But now we kind of have found our little niche in multi-use buildings in a micro market called Teeswater. So mm -hmm. we have done uh, a few projects there and it's turned out really well. They're great cash flowing buildings. They are up fraction of the cost of the city and rent tend to be 10 to 15% lower than the city. So yeah, they cash flow nicely. Okay. So can I ask where that is? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> it's in South Bruce. So we are right between Wingham and Walkerton. Mm -hmm. So north of Listowel for okay. anybody that's not really from the area. Okay. And really we always joke that we're in the middle of nowhere, but we're really 30 minutes from everywhere. So Port Elgin, Southampton, all the beaches were somewhere between 30 minutes to Port Elgin and 40 minutes to Kincardine. So around that area. And then again, the bigger cities, if you can call it a big city, is Listowel. <laughs> I, I heard, and I've been there before, but Kincardine has like the best sunsets. Oh. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Lake Huron is just a beautiful place in the afternoon or evening. Yes, the sunsets are incredible. Awesome. Awesome. So, and then for those that are not in Ontario, it, this is, these are small towns in Southern Ontario, essentially. 
That's correct. About an hour, well, maybe two hours west of Toronto. Okay. Okay. So, so you switched over from flipping, was that in 2019 that you started doing the acquisitions on the buildings? Yeah. Actually, we bought our first sixplex in 2019. And that was just before, obviously, the pandemic hit. So we didn't, we bought it in 2019, but we didn't close on it until March of 2020. So that was kind of a crazy year for us because in March of 2020, everyone knows the pandemic hit. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, my husband was diagnosed with cancer mm. three days before we closed on that sixplex. Oh, wow. And then, yep. And then the pandemic hit. So it was kind of a crazy year for us. But we both say to this point that it's, it was good that we had something to focus on. So mm -hmm. it was a lot. The sixplex was a lot to get through. But we managed to get much better at our systems at that time. And so it was a huge learning growth year for both of us, uh, as well as personally, you know, pushing through that kind of stuff. It's a lot to get through. So, but it turned out uh, really good. And we, we took eight months to flip that building. So through all of what we were going through in that time, it still only took us eight months. And we ended up selling it for there was around $200,000 profit in that building. So it, it was okay. 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 So, so some scary stuff, but I guess, yeah. you know, things have come around and, and worked out well. So you'd ended up flipping the building, which is quite interesting. And, and you're now doing more like holding of the buildings. You're buying and holding. Like how did that, how did the flipping, you know, change over to holding? I think in the end, you know, everybody... Everybody talks about buy and hold. And in the beginning, we started with single family homes, you know, just duplexing them and mm -hmm. selling them. But then you realize at some point through the through that process that it took us, well, from start to finish in most houses, we would flip in four months. So I was like, well, we can do that, but there's bigger projects. But the bigger projects at the first seem so scary, you know, so we actually never intended on selling the sixplex. So we did a bit of over-renovating because we did plan to keep it. Um, but the market hit such a high at the time that we just decided that, you know, it was better to just sell it and kind of move on. And because we had learned so much through that process, I thought we had better information and understanding for the next project. So we just did. We sold it. and then. Dave, when he was off, when he was ill, he was, he's a huge Kijiji guy because he's an old car guy. And he found the old grist mill in Teeswater. And that's when he was bugging me through the pandemic. Come on, let's go see this well. And I'm like, uh, I am not going to Teeswater. Nobody's in Teeswater. Nobody knows where Teeswater is. So eventually he got me to go up there because the property was listed on Kijiji. So yeah, we went up to Teeswater, we pulled into the driveway, and we always say that we don't get emotionally involved in buildings, but this one just kind of took both of us right away. It was, it's built in 1888, and the family that owned it bought it in 1978, and that was right when the mill stopped operating, so they turned it into their family home, and they had done, obviously gotten rid of all the equipment and whatnot, but they... The garage downstairs was where he parked his old vehicles and it's inside the house. Oh, so that's kind of what made us go see it to begin with. But 
we ended up taking that property. It's 8,000 square feet. We ended up taking that property and changing it into like a boutique hotel. We do micro weddings, yeah, corporate retreats, vacation rentals. So we put 10 bedrooms and eight bathrooms in the place. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's a beautiful property. So that's kind of, and because it took us, same thing, it was eight months start to finish. Mm -hmm. We, we just really loved the area. So then we started looking around and we bought our first multi-use building up there and bought that, renovated it, added apartments two commercial spaces, rented all that out. And then now we're just in the process of just redoing that exact same thing. Very cool. So now now you went from being a a real estate investor to also in the hospitality business. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a crazy journey in itself. But But what are some of the, the challenges, I guess, that you've encountered, you know, making the leap over to, you know, running essentially a, a different type of business altogether. For sure. And we didn't really, we had some short-term rentals. I've always had short-term rentals. So it wasn't so, so foreign, but definitely on that kind of a scale, it was new. And so you know how it is when you're a real estate investor, you're busy, crazy anyways. Mm-hmm. So adding another job to that was a bit of a challenge. The biggest challenge I think we find transitioning from flip to full-time real estate investors is just the fun. You know, now you quote unquote, you don't have a job. So Mm -hmm. you're, you know, you don't have that quote unquote steady income for the bank. So that was a bit of a challenge at first and it's getting easier. And again, as our systems get better and we look for buildings that we can, you know, change into family, you know, apartment, long-term rental, then that becomes easier as well. But it's, I always say the hardest part I always find about real estate investing is just dealing with the commercial mortgages because literally, you know, we can refinance something four months apart and the rules are completely different in four months than they were right then, you know? So that's always the biggest challenge I find. The the construction side is the easy part for us. We both, we're both tradespeople. So we both have that background and I've been in construction my whole career. So that's the easy part. (laughs) The tough part is getting in touch with the banks and trying to make that side work. Yeah. I mean, I find, you know, like even for our resort, the credit unions were a little bit easier to work with than the typical big banks. So sometimes working with a mortgage broker potentially or going to a credit union directly that, you know, might be local as an example, like they might have just different rules that may work. But it is, I do agree, like the financing piece, especially in, you know, this this market, this time where rates are at an all-time high that we haven't seen before and, you know, rules are changing all the time, it definitely can be tough for sure. And especially when you're looking at like, you know, a hotel, motel, Airbnb type of business, that's a whole different ballgame as well because you're not, you know, into their cookie cutter, long-term rental type of things that they like. So it's, you know, it's definitely difficult. What about like marketing? Like how did you go about marketing for, you know, people to come and stay? We, in the very beginning, we invested large into our website for the property, but I would say, and we have a social media presence, but not, it's not as it should be. And and what's the website and the social media handle for people? uh, The website is Mm thepostandbeam.ca and then the Instagram handle is at thepostandbeam. Mm -hmm. So 
it's growing, but it, I am not a social media person. So it has been coming along slowly and steadily, but ironically, really surprisingly for me, it's a lot of the local that rent. Okay. So, and I, I really didn't think that was our market at first. And I still don't think it is. You know, I think we have the potential. We have a small airport close to us. So we do have the potential to fly people in from everywhere. But yeah, that's been a challenge too, for sure, because that's not my background. So again, learn as you go. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, these aren't like cookie cutter flip deals or deals or buy and hold deals where, you know, you could probably estimate the exit. This is your, you know, pivoting along the way. And there's really never like a firm end, right? And you're That's always, right. you know, you're always re-improvising and, and that kind of stuff. You know, you mentioned systems, I think when you bought your sixplex, what are some systems that you put in place, I guess, in the last three years that maybe you didn't have before that has helped you get to where you are today? Project management was a huge one. I didn't even know we needed project management at that time, you know, because we had done it all of our, ourselves. And, you know, on a house, you really, you don't need it. You know, you, you, I mean, I shouldn't say you don't need it. You absolutely need a plan ahead of time. Uh, but I think we learned a ton about uh, having that plan in place before we even close. So now, you know, we have, we always have three to six viewing before we close. We bring in some of our subs at that point. We bring in our architect. We have all the design ready to go for the day we close. We even start applying for some of the permits. Because depending on where you are, they will allow you with the owner's permission to actually mm -hmm. apply for the permit. So mm -hmm. most of that stuff now we have, we have a really good handle on. We have that all down pat so that day one, we can actually start demo. You know, whereas before we had the property for sometimes six weeks to two months before we could start demo. Because that was the time that we were doing everything. So, and you know, when you're holding that property with the rates that we the interest rates that we pay, it, it just seems like it was crazy. You know, it was a waste of money. So we managed to streamline that process. Most of the other stuff is construction-based. And so there was, those processes were always in place, but we needed to get better at before we closed. So, and then trying also to allow for all of the hidden, because we do a lot of historic buildings, like old, you know, 1800s, early 1900s. So, and we love them, but there's always challenges with those buildings. So yeah, you kind of got to have that contingency plan for most buildings is much larger in the buildings that we do, because you, you know, you start demo and then it's like, oh, who knew that surprise was going to be there? Yeah, for sure. Well, especially in, in, you know, houses from the 1800s. Have you dealt with any that have been, you know, like whether you're backing onto conservation or you've got, you know, like something that you've got to preserve in the house because it's, you know, like, like something that the, obviously the city wants you to keep? Like, have you dealt with any of that? We deal with conservation, but we haven't dealt with heritage. So thankfully, however, we are looking at a building now that will have a heritage designation, but it won't, there's not a lot of outside work that I would want to do anyways. We want to preserve the history most of the time mm -hmm. of the outside of the building. So generally speaking, that's not been an issue. The conservation authority is always, you know, it's tough. You know, you have to really know ahead of time, ask all of your questions ahead of time, but even that. You can ask a million questions and then all of a sudden you get into it and it's 
oh, we didn't know you wanted to do that. Yeah, you did. So, but the mill property, because we have our own dam and we own the water right to the property there and we provide hydro. So the dam produces hydro. So that was, that we thought was going to be way more of a challenge than it is, but they were really good to work with. So that was nice because that could have been a disaster. Although we want to do some more stuff there and there's going to be some archaeological studies that we have to get into if we develop the lot there, which I mean, it is what it is. So you just kind of <laughs> some things to, to keep in mind as, you yeah. know, as these bigger properties, sometimes, you know, they're beautiful, their surroundings are beautiful, but then you start digging into it and they're, you know, next to conservation or, you know, different things that you've got to do to you know, potentially develop this place yeah. or change the use and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So, so obviously you've done that. What does your management, like your day-to-day look like? Because I mean, it sounds like you're, you know, obviously you're managing this Airbnb with a bunch of rooms and you've got other projects on the go. What does a typical week look like for you? And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Experience Inspire Beach Resort. It is the resort that we have been building and it is ready. So if you are looking to host events, team building opportunities, retreats of your own, and just even potentially hang out with your friends or family or colleagues. You can rent out a cabin. You can rent out the entire resort. Inspire Beach Resort, it is an adults only. It is Canada's only themed resort specifically for adults. And the themes are really nice. They're really upscale. Like you have like the beach theme. You've got a rustic lodge theme and a vintage Hollywood. And we are adding more every year. But there is uh, an awesome space that is on the water to host your retreats, your events, your business meetings, planning meetings, all of that good stuff. So check that out, inspirebeachresorts.com. Now back to the show. Hey, <laughs> we We have a lot on the go over this last couple of years. I'm trying to cut back on some of that, but in saying that, now we're opening a bar. So we're opening a golf pub in Teeswater and in the new building that we're doing. So it's always education. So I try to set out at the beginning of my week, you know, some time to do some networking, some time for business growth, for sure. It's my number one priority. Because if you don't set it aside, the day just goes, you know, one day after another. So I'm pretty adamant about setting that kind of stuff aside. What I'm not great at is setting aside, you know, personal time, right? Where that's where I'm trying to get to that point now, because the busier you are, the busier you allow yourself to be and you don't give yourself any time to for downtime. Mm -hmm. So we just in the last like literally three months have set our phones aside on the weekends and that's it. You know, the weekends are just just to relax and chill. But most days, you know, we're up by 5.30, quarter to six in the morning and starting our day by 6.30. And then it, Dave is trying to he looks after the job sites and the construction side of things and I'm looking after the business development and both of us trying to find properties and you know that new kind of properties and whatnot so but we have an excellent site super my my oldest son works for us full time and so he's our site super and and transitioning to our project manager so as we bring on more new people and train them then we would like him to move up to a project manager. So we're completely hands off, only working on the business instead of in it. Yeah, 
For sure. I mean, we all have to, you know, as entrepreneurs and, and business owners, like we all have to be in it at some point, but then you start slowly replacing some parts and hopefully you're, you're, you know, working on it for, you know, 95% of the time moving yeah. forward. So, so the post and beam, you know, is there a restaurant? Is there like, is it more like an Airbnb type of thing where they have the lock boxes and then self check-in? Like, do you like, or do you have staff other than cleaning? Yeah. So wow, we do have a part-time manager for that property, but we get actually as involved or uninvolved as you want. So you can literally have the key at the box, you know, code you're in and you can do whatever. Or we have three different personal chefs that'll come in and do a uh, dinner for you. We can do an ice cream flight to a small little, to another small town. We have live music that'll come in. We can do beer tours and wine tours directly from our place. Uh, we have a couple local golf courses. So we do golf stand play packages, which also in the wintertime now we're going to do with the pub. So because we have the indoor golf simulators, we'll do the stand play all winter. So that was kind of also to help both sides of that business. So yeah, it's growing a lot every year, obviously, as more people find out about it, it gets a little busier. But right now we're really almost like a 30-30-30 split with corporate vacation and micro weddings. So we allow weddings up to 35 people. And then again, we can do all the catering or they can just come and rent the property and have their pictures and do their own thing. Okay. All right. So it sounds I think similar, I think, to how I've set up the resort as well, like where we can have the chefs come, we can have the RMTs come, we can have yeah. you know, different things come to to the site and so with that, do you have, is that you that's planning it? Like if somebody wants a, a micro wedding or have you found like um, a planner, an event planner to help you with the coordination, that kind of stuff? It has been me. We did start originally with an event planner, but the most of the event planners want to do, like they don't want to work with 35 or under, you know, right. they want to they want a wedding of 100 or 200 people. So it, it took us a bit to find somebody. And so my executive assistant just kind of transitioned into that role. So she's taking it over. So, and she's come a long way. So now I basically just oversee a few of the details just to make sure everything's kind of going as planned. But this past weekend actually was her first completely on her own wedding. So nice. And everything went well. So it's good. You know, she's, she's coming along and that'll become a full-time job. She'll also be involved in the bar. She'll be a bartender for us because she is a, a server as well. So, so yeah, it'll be, I would like, I still want to have a general manager for both of those properties, but it's hard. You know, I, I think it's a double-edged sword being in these micro markets because I do find there is a lot of great work ethic in these micro markets, but there's just not as many people, obviously. Mm -hmm. So you know, and nobody's moving to Teeswater to take care of a bar. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Now, how many units between the two properties are you working and in, in handling right now? There's 10 bedrooms in the mill, which really is just one property because they, they rent it all at once. Okay. Um, yeah. And then we have four units in the one building and three units in the other. So those are all midterm rentals. Okay. All right. So it's... And we still have, I have another one in Waterloo and one here oh. as well. So... Okay, so what are the ones and what's the one in Waterloo and the one here? 
here at our house, we have a, a unit on the end of the house that we have a long-term tenant in. Mm-hmm. And there's, I own a condo, a two-bedroom condo in Waterloo. So right now, that was a that was an Airbnb for years. But now we have a long-term tenant in there. And that's only because I needed to kind of take some, something off my plate. So, and he's working out well, so it's good. Okay. Okay, yeah. good, good. So, you know, you went from flipping to holding to, you know, doing a bunch of short-term Airbnbs, you know, creating a really cute little, I don't know, mini resort, how boutique resort, however yeah. you call it. I think it's awesome. Would you go back to flipping and if like in this time or is that not something that you guys want to do? We definitely are looking for a flip right now, actually. Okay. So I would like to do a few this year. Just again, they're great cash flow and it's and I think there's always an opportunity for a flip. You know, I, I, it's different and it changes as the interest rates change and our, our business changes. But I think that there's always potential and room for a flip. There are still people buying houses. There are still people that uh, need to get out of their house for one reason or another. So, yeah, I, I definitely, we are going to do, we're searching actively right now. We've been searching for the past probably two or three weeks. It's a little harder, I would say, to find mm-hmm. that property. Um, but we're looking at another resort as well right now. So we'll another resort to keep or another resort to flip? I don't know. I <laughs> would really like a partner on this resort because okay. it, it's just, again, it's a lot, right? So mm-hmm. if we could find the right partner, we would keep it. If we don't, we'll probably flip it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. And in terms of a typical flip right now like are you looking to do more of like a single family flip to like an end user are you looking to convert and then you know create multiple units and then sell from there like what's your strategy that you think makes sense for where you are right now both of those we would like to do we always want to create something a unit so generally it's a single family home that we're going to duplex I don't want to get anything that's already rented and has tenants in it so we're not I hate evicting people for a reason. So it's necessary. And many times we say, you know, it's not me. Blame the guy that owned the building for however many years and let it get run down and whatnot. But still, it's hard, you know. So we would prefer to take something that's empty and create units in it. So that's what we would be looking for with a house. Um, But ideally, again, it's something with a little bit of commercial space that we can create three or four or hopefully five apartments on and then we can look at the MLI select as well so yeah. those are our two the, ML- the MLI is a good option I like I know we're using it for our stuff as well and converting commercial space to residential and you have no, you know no rent controls right now <laughs> on these right things, which helps do but yeah no I think that is you know a good thing for the future now you might want to keep them once you go you exit with MLI because right. they could be pretty lucrative you know right the property and you may not want to sell it but you never know that could be a good one to bring in even a partner on as well yep. if you are looking for that so I think that's where I think we were talking a little bit about both JVs and, and money partners and that kind of stuff prior where are you guys at right now like what do you know are you looking for partners are you looking for money partners joint venture partners yes so up till this point we have done everything ourselves we haven't ever had a partner but We've met some really good people in the last couple of years, which is what has kind of sparked that whole thing is, you know, it would be sure nice to work with somebody that you like. It makes it always more fun, you know, to do it because it can get stressful. 
everybody gets stressed out in this business uh, and there are difficult times. So if you can, you know, share that with somebody, that would be great. And then for us, again, because we're, we've always done it ourselves, you know, there's a time that you tend to get maxed out, you know, so obviously personally, we can't do anything more, which is also why we look for the multi-res building so that we don't have to qualify for that anymore. But we definitely are looking for a JV partner, probably a few. I want to start with one. It's crazy that I would be thinking about the resort for that. It's a big project, but it, I, it'll be a lucrative project as well. So I think it's a good project in that way to start with a partner. So we are looking for money partners um, and or joint venture partners, you know, somebody to hold it with us and just kind of run it with us. Okay. All right. Very cool. I'll tell you, you've got to, you really got to find the right partners and vice versa, right? For especially resorts and things that are not, you know, quick ins and outs, because these yeah. are ones that I think if people come in, there's less certainty than a typical burr or typical buy and hold. So it's just important. Like, and I know everyone's like, oh, a resort, that's amazing. Like, but like, I mean, I'm super lucky I have amazing partners in this resort with Harry James and, and Joe Ferrara, but you know, you got to also figure out like, what does the person bring to the table? Or is it complimentary? Is it, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, because these are usually things that like require hands-on management in some capacity, even if you're managing a team and it's not as passive. So that's right. like a different partner versus your, maybe you're like a flip that you might want to do. Right. Yeah. How long have you had that resort now? So we bought the land in 2021, closed on it in like end of June. And then so we just started running it as of, I would say, June of 2023 with three cabins. It will be nine when it's done. But it's, you know, it's fun, but it's like especially starting in a time with high interest rates where people don't have the same disposable income, where the prices, you know, is obviously higher because we're a bit of a higher end boutique resort. But, you know, it comes with its challenges and you come with and you pivot along the way. And, you know, one of the things that I think we're pivoting to anyways is we're actually going to make it more of like a membership resort where you know, they have access to the resort and they have access to some free nights, et cetera. So I think we're going to actually pivot that way because yeah. it'll also, so it'll allow us to like keep it like more exclusive and like do something unique. And then, you know, those folks that are members can also rent it for like their events and that good stuff in addition to the free nights. But I think from a financing standpoint as well, like when we look at it is, so it's like a win because then we could use that income to actually qualify with, you know, doing the rest of the developments faster. Right. Yeah. Challenges right now with getting financing for those properties is huge. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, this is why, like, we got lucky with the credit union because the credit union looked at projected income versus like a typical bank would have actually been like, give me two years of actuals, you know? <laughs> so right. it, it, this is why it helps to like you know, understand the financing and where to go for what. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. local credit unions, you know, are very good. So yeah, that'll be the one thing I'm looking forward to because the other challenge we have in micro markets is when you are under 10,000 in population, it is very yeah. difficult to get financing. So yeah. thankfully we've kind of broken that barrier now with the first building. So the second building is much easier and we have friends that purchased another building beside our first building. So we've kind of broken the ground for them too. But, you know, it's good because the more investment we have, the more everybody's property is protected and the values are going up. And we've seen a huge transition in the town just since we've been there in the last couple of years. So 
it's exciting from that standpoint too. Yeah. No, but it would be nice to get to a bigger market. And you're probably helping, you know, that you're helping the shops because if you're bringing, so like, I know for us, like we do like, like welcome baskets and it has like the baked goods from the bakery in town. And so like, yeah, yes, go back and like buy more, you know, because they love like all the baked goods that she makes. And like, I think it's just good to like, you're giving back to the community as well. And like the businesses in the area get to to profit as well from, you know, for sure people coming into the area. Yep, that's for sure. Even our local Rona store, you know, we've spent like a quarter of a million dollars with them in the last couple of years, right? So it's good, but we try to hire as many locals as we can. You know, we leave our Kitchener team mostly there. And then we have been developing a new team up where we are. So it's very good for the economy and in general as well. So nice. It's a good feeling. Absolutely. So Nancy, I mean, you know, half an hour just goes by so quick. It's time for our lightning rounds. So I'm going to ask you five questions that every guest gets the same ones. You're going to answer the first question that comes to mind. Are you ready to play? Welcome to your midterm tip of the week. This week, we talk about why you should choose to stay in a midterm rental. A midterm rental is a fully furnished, quality assured property that you can rent when you are in need of a place to stay and your home is not available. You could be between moves, buying or selling your house. You could be between a divorce, moving to a new country and you need a place while you look for a longer term stay. You could be between renovations and need a home to stay while your home is being improved. In all of these cases, the midterm rental property is the right choice because we are a one-stop shop where all of your communication, your needs, and your stay will be handled by our expert team. We have a white glove service that offers additional concierge services during your stay. For more information, please contact www.midtermrentalproperties.com. Yeah. All right. Question number one was your favorite real estate investing book. Uh, I'm going to say Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Okay. I don't right. know that's an investing book, but it's my fave. It's it's actually the number one most answered on this pod. Wow. By far. By far. <laughs> so if anybody still has it, right, go read it. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> number two, not necessarily real estate related. And I don't know if you listen to podcasts, but you have a favorite podcast about entrepreneurship or business or anything at all. Uh, I listened to a few. I cannot tell you off the top of my head which one comes to mind most often. I listen to Mel and Dave, but I do listen to a few. Okay, awesome. Number three, I know you mentioned you don't have a whole lot of time, but what do you do for fun? We're, we have a motorhome, so we like to camp and okay. go as often as we can. Nice, nice. Number four, if you lost everything tomorrow, your assets or money, your real estate, how would you start again? With everything that's in my head, I always say I'd risk it all because you cannot take away my knowledge and I can always start over. We have a very high risk tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, clearly to, to be buying in a very small town and creating <laughs> resorts. I mean, it's awesome. I love it. Like, I love that. Last question, number five, if somebody has $50,000, they want to get started somehow, how would you recommend to get started? Ooh, that's a tough one. I, I would say private lending. Now, if they don't want to be a working partner, I would say they should start private lending. And if they want to be 
uh, a joint venture partner, then $50,000 makes a great down payment. So they can start in that sense. Okay. All right. Perfect. Thank you for playing the lightning round. Where can my listeners reach out, find out more? Uh, at the Post and Beam, www.thepostandbeam.ca. Amazing. Nancy, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you on. Thanks, Sarah. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larvey. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.